All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the We're Talking Football podcast. I'm Weston. With me, as always, the right-hand man, Lou. I should call you the continuously sick Lou. Lou's been toughing it out for the last few weeks here. The continuously sick old dirty bastard. I don't know if you saw what I just did, but I did the little dumb and dumber. You know when he goes to spray his mouth and he sprays to the side? That's what I just did right there. He does that with the banaca, right? Like the, the and I'm the, doing this with the albuterol, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the air around Lou is cleaner. Yeah. Um, he's he's doing the environment a favor, and we appreciate it. So Lou, here we are. We have about a week and a half till the Super Bowl. So we'll recap the conference championship. We had the 49ers versus the Philadelphia Eagles. We had the Cincinnati Bengals versus the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll jump into those games. Got a quick uh, couple of topics that we can run through to wrap us up. I know we've been making this promise week over week over week over week as of late, but this will be a shorter aired show um, this evening. And then next week we'll come back. We'll wrap it up. Obviously this weekend we have like the Shrine Bowl, the East West. We have the Senior Bowl. Um for those that care, it's the Pro Bowl. We will not talk about the Pro Bowl on the We're Talking Football podcast. Although I did get text messages telling me that Kyle Juszczyk and George Kittle are really good at dodgeball. So mm-hmm. apparently there's a dodgeball game happening this evening, I guess. I was part of the weekend festivities. Um, and then we'll also kind of um, do our, our quick preview of the Super Bowl, which, surprise, surprise, is the Philadelphia Eagles versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. Sound yes. about right? So, you know what? I'll allow it. I'll allow it. <laughs> Glad to hear. Glad to yeah. hear. So, let's just dive right in. Let's just roll up the sleeves. Uh, we'll go in order of the games. Um, so, obviously, the early game on the, on the 3 o'clock window from where we sit on Sunday was my San Francisco 49ers traveling, traveling uh, to Philadelphia against the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm just like you can ask me questions along the way. I'm just gonna give you my my knee jerk reaction walking out of out of that game, I, dude. I honestly still wake up every single morning. I say to my wife, I'm like, "What time do we play today?" I don't feel like we, it, I watched an NFC Championship game or a a championship game of any caliber, and that's not that's not meant to like knock the competition on the field. But it or or either team, but it is meant to knock the competition on the field. Uh, I, I think, as a knowledgeable fan that I consider myself, and understanding, you know, what we were faced with, even walking in, talking about a Mister Irrelevant rookie quarterback, seven straight starts with wins. This will be his tallest challenge, of course, and arguably the most important game of his professional career at this point in time. So I knew all of that. So it was obvious to me very early. And by very early, I mean six offensive snaps into uh, the game for the 49ers that this game was more than likely over. What I did not expect was still a close game even going into the half. I mean, dude, there was less than two minutes left. It was still 14-7, a game that was within reach. And then you have Josh Johnson who – Botches a snap, right? Right before the half, turn around, turn that into seven quick points. Very early on in the second half, you have your fourth string quarterback who's 
only been with the team for about seven weeks at this point in time. It's his third stint with the Kyle Shanahan-led San Francisco 49ers. But that being said, um, his most recent stint was just, again, plus or minus a few, uh, more than a handful um, in terms of weeks with the team. Then he gets concussed. And then now we're technically on our fifth-string quarterback because you bring back in your third-string quarterback who has a torn UCL and literally can't throw the football. So for the entire second half of a football game, there was no threat of the San Francisco 49ers actually throwing the football outside of one pass you saw from Christian McCaffrey in a in a wildcat formation. And when I say no threat, it's not because they they were locking down the wide receivers and taking away the passing game. There was physically not an able body on the field who could throw the ball. Um, and then the game got out of hand and it, it, it got out of hand in my opinion. So first thing I want to say, like when I'm, I'm commending the 49ers, like, listen, they did everything they could. They played with heart. I think the coaches tried everything that they possibly could. It's just the, 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 the chips were stacked a little too high. I thought uh, specifically in the first half, the defense balled out, right? This high power Eagle offense, where we couldn't move the I ball. Think it was just the, I don't think it was just the first half, though. I thought your defense played really good. Whole game. I think what the whole you, game. Thirty-one-seven tells you a different story. See, but I, yeah, you can't just you can't just box score here. You know, no. observe here because if you realize, I think the Eagles held the ball for fifteen more minutes because they were able to because you guys cannot sustain drives because you didn't have a legit three quarterback three back there. Three and outs, three and you guys, they also ran uh, like twenty-eight more plays than you guys. So just after a while, the defense. Doesn't matter how long and how good I mean uh, that defense your defense is going to be. After a while, when you're constantly on the field and you're not getting a break, they're they're they're, they're gonna they're gonna bend and they're gonna and they're gonna break after a while. Yeah. Um, not only that, I think it was very evident as early as the first half, definitely in the second half, that the defense was going to have to try to win the football game if they were going to win the football game. So I also think you see. Uh, you're less risk averse, meaning that like you're going to take some chances, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're going to send some blitzes that maybe you wouldn't call. I think uh, a highlight of this was on the roughing the kicker penalty when they were trying to block the punt. Now we can argue whether that was a penalty or not. If he was hell blocked into it, all good. I literally looked at my wife before they block before that ball was snapped, and I was like, they got to go block. They got to try to block it, and whatever happens, happens. Like. There's no other way that they swing this tide or shift momentum because it's not going to be done on the offensive side of the ball. The defense and the special teams are going to have to try something crazy and pull the rabbit out of the hat. Otherwise, this game's going to end exactly the way it did. That being said, like, hey, kudos to the Philadelphia Eagles. Like, we we know plenty of Eagle fans. I know plenty of Eagle fans. And I had to endure They're the, the classic – they're the classiest, uh, nicest people you can meet. Oh, on this, my God, dude. Uh, I, honestly, Earth. honestly, and this is probably going to be offensive, and I really, I really don't even care. I feel like they're the most ignorant fan base. Like, the, the conversations I was having with, like, lifelong diehard Eagle fans – it was just the like I was like, were you watching the same football game that I was? Because I wasn't inspired by your team's play. Like they did what they were supposed to do. I, I will commend that. I will give their I will give them their their kudos. Right. Like 
They smelled blood in the water, and they went and took it. But, dude, for a long time, that game was still hanging in the balance given everything that we saw. I mean, dude, in this game, you saw Nick Bosa, right, probably the defensive player of the year, get injured while he's not even on the field, right? Like, that's literally how this game went. It was it was just absurd, and that's why I still sit here and feel like I'm in shock that I didn't actually watch it. Yeah. You know what's funny, though, is I think that actually softens the blow for me a little bit because I can walk away with the – I honestly feel like, and I said this to friend and family, that had they played at full strength and lost that game, I might be more bitter. Like, I'm not bitter. I'm just, like, I'm just defeated, if that makes sense. Right? Like, disappointed. And Listen, disappointed Wesson, in the way the game went. Listen, you're Wesson, you're talking to a Chargers fan. Anyone that understands about being disappointed after watching a team they root for – it's definitely me. And I agree with you. I feel like I have the same exact sentiment that we got robbed of an NFC championship game. Not I picked the Eagles to win, right? Yep. But I thought it was going to be a fairly competitive game. I, I love the matchup, especially in the trenches, right? That's what I was uh, – that was like my thing to watch during the game. Uh, that being all said, as if I was a Niners fan, as soon as that happened, it's like, it's like the realization, like the likelihood of us winning this game is slim to none because of what what happened with Purdy. And yep. if you didn't believe it, then you definitely believed it right after uh, Johnson got hurt. Right. So it's like you went through the many stages of grief within like a quarter and a half. Yeah. And it's like, you're already re- preparing for the worst. I'm not, sh- it's all the chicken or egg type of thing. Like what's worse knowing that you absolutely had no chance and you come to terms with it or at the last second it being ripped out of your heart uh, from a competitive standpoint. Don't know. I think it's all depending on the individual. Uh, But I will say this. I'm torn and conflicted how I feel about the Eagles after the, after this game, let's, let's look at their, their magical run um, in these playoffs, right? They beat the Daniel Jones led giants. You know, uh, and then they beat, you know, uh, you, you guys like yeah, a, a team uh, that you know, can't play uh, the football. Exactly, exactly. So on one hand, I wasn't impressed with um, you know Jalen Hurts and that and the aerial attack of of the Eagles, right? Because I I thought he looked out of sync. I think you guys only gave up like a, less than 130 passing yards, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. Uh, for that pat for. For a team that can run the ball and then bring up, you know, the second line of defense and, and can pass it behind them, what have you, like there was no sync whatsoever uh, from a passing standpoint. So you could throw shade at the, you know, at the Eagles' offense, but like Hurts played like garbage, in my opinion. On the other side, depend. This is it depends if you're an optimist or a pessimist. You could bring to the, the attention the Eagles found. A, they didn't. They don't have to just rely on their aerial attack to win. It was impressive how they found another way to win, and they were pretty dominant on the on the uh, as a, with their rushing attack. Right? They isolated Kinlaw all game. He got washed out every game. It was pretty embarrassing. Uh, it, it looked like he didn't even belong on the field because he how much he got pushed over to the sidelines numerous times. So it was impressive that. You guys out they out physical you guys, something I feel like hasn't been done this year, right? 
So maybe the Eagles, or maybe the Eagles are impressive because they can win a multitude of ways. They don't just have to air it out. They can slow it down and run it down your throat and play good defense and just like kind of like matriculate down the field and like give it time, like you know, and just you know work its process and just wear you down and nub you down, kind of like what you guys did to oh, the Chargers. Yeah. Uh, you know, when uh, when you guys play uh, when uh, when the Niners play the Chargers, and that's exactly what happened. You know, yep. we lost all of our interior defensive linemen in the second half. You literally just shoved it down our throats because we couldn't do anything from a personnel standpoint. Yeah. Um, I know that was very long winded. No, no, it's not even long winded. I'm tr- I'm just trying to think how to come back from that. But more important, like so. You, you and I both were not like stat watchers, right? In the sense of like, we don't just look at the, the stat line. If I was to tell you that Jalen Hurts only threw for 121 yards and zero touchdowns. Yeah. And that that's, the leading, that's a win. And the leading rusher for the Philadelphia Eagles had 48 rushing yards. You'd be like, the 49ers won this football game. Of course. Right. And I do like they went 44 for 148, which is less than three and a half yards a carry. Like any defense would take that all day. But to your point, it was it was the second half just bludgeoning them, right? Like literally just like physically moving them off the ball. Yeah, the first half the the first half was ugly football from the Eagles. They were were opportunistic. I get it. That's how they, you know. But the second half was just like exactly. You just let it just keep on doing it and it will work its process out. The first half, I would argue their best play wasn't even a play that should have been counted, right? Yeah. Like on a a fourth down, and I don't, I don't, I don't. We're going to talk about this plenty of when we go into the next game, right? About officiating, etc. But what I'm just perplexed by, and I, I honestly don't think, like I, I totally understand. I have a couple critiques of coaching in this particular game. One is. It's on the the grandest stage, right, in a conference championship. Like when you see a wide receiver get up and talking about huddling up and get on the ball, blah, 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 blah. You got to be like, did he really catch that ball? Maybe I want to throw the challenge flag. It's early enough. It's first half. I burn a timeout. How how many times do I really need both of my challenges in the game? The law of averages. But I also understand why Kyle doesn't throw the flag, right? Like you look up on the on the big screen every review that we saw on TV there was definitely not enough to give anybody any confidence that that call would be overturned and like do you just first drive of the game like we've seen we've been watching football long enough to understand that like hey the first drive of the game like yeah okay so you get points i get it but it's not insurmountable right like and it does set the tone but throughout that drive the 49ers had them in third and long fourth downs right that was a fourth down play where it would have been turnover um on downs but where i'm i'm baffled by is we saw so many times this year where coaches haven't had to waste their challenge because of the expedited review like in the booth and they have every single goddamn angle that you can see and that's all these people are doing in new york and you come back from a commercial break like my I myself on the reviews that they saw, and obviously it's against my team. I'm like, they'll never overturn it this catch. You just can't see it indisputable. And then you come back and all of a sudden there's like two other angles that show you it's incomplete. And like you've had this angle the entire time. I'm not saying about Fox TV. I'm saying the people in the booth, right? Like they have those angles. Like, where's that in an in, in important game? So I'm, how about I'm, this? It's just it's interesting that I do want to play off of that. Because last episode, maybe two episodes before, you asked me if I listened to 
uh, moving the chains with uh, Jim Miller and Pat Kerwin. Yeah. They were literally talking about that this week. Why not add another, you know, um, official in the game? Why not? In the playoffs to have an extra set of eyes. 100%, dude. Like, all we do, all fans do, all players do, all coaches do, is just shit on the officiating all year long, right? Like, the shit these on ga- it. Yeah, these games are more urgent. There's a yeah. higher sense of urgency. Why Get it not? right. What's the cost of getting it right? Like, you put improve your product. Official. Put another official. Yeah, I have three more. I don't care. Have them flood the field. Get your product right on the most important of stages. But I will be critical of Kyle in one element. Um, I look, we're gonna. I'm, I want to talk more about this in a second. Like on a, on a side note, I'm actually gonna ask a, a question to you. But where I'm a little perplexed is in the second half when we went back to Brock Purdy, right? I have to imagine at that point in time, Kyle was well aware from the medical staff that like, yo, this dude can't throw the football, right? So the fingers, only yeah. option you have is to hand the ball off, and I understand that. Whether it's McCaffrey, Juszczyk, Jawan Jennings, all these guys who have played quarterback in their lifetime who know how to throw a ball, I understand that you're not comfortable throwing the ball with them. But in that like 21 7 scenario, don't you want to play 11 on 11 when you have a quarterback who they know, you know, literally can't throw the football, right? Like he has not been in and all of a sudden he's back in. So the defense is confident and he's not going to be able to push the ball down the field. You're playing 10 versus 11. That's just one extra person. Like, so what if, like, you know, McCaffrey's not a quarterback and you're probably not going to call a pass play, but what if you do, right? Like, they have to account for the, the so what you, if scenario. So just you wanted them to, you wanted oh, them to, 100%, the, I wanted, I wanted the wildcat. Miami Dolphins, like, what is like 2008, yeah, like Wildcat. Yeah, I wanted the Wildcat, man. Like, dude, throw back to when we were in high school, yeah, but, everybody was running the fucking wing T and wishbone offense. Like, but how, you gotta think about it. First of how's all, it any I mean, different than what they were doing? It's not, it's not, it, there's just the threat of being, they, yeah, but they've, but they practice, they didn't practice any, they did practice any wildcat formations. How many, how many formations or plays do you think they're really, you it's know, true. Did, they're, they're not and, prepared and, and, for and you're not going, and yeah, they're not prepared for it. And they're going against a defense that's pretty damn good. So, how really sustainable would that have been for a whole half? Eh, I think hindsight's 2020. Maybe they were trying to give to the illusion that, oh, you know, he Purdy, might be able to throw the ball when we need to. Kind of yeah. like, kind of like what happened with Philip Rivers, and I, I hate that I keep on bringing up the Chargers thing, but when Philip Rivers messed up his knee in Indianapolis, mm-hmm. came out against the uh, the Patriots, no one knew he had a torn ACL. Yeah. So maybe they like, oh, they just shot him up in the halftime, like, because you have, maybe like they were trying to give that illusion. I don't know. I don't know either. I just know that the outcome wouldn't have been any worse, right? <laughs> like, I mean, the I don't outcome would be any better, though. So. No, and I don't, right? But I, I feel like that's more of a. It was insurmountable. The odds yeah, were against was. you. Yeah, it was. Man. Uh, it, it, it was. I don't think there's no amount of coaching uh, you could have done or, nope. or, or personnel that, that really could have overcame you guys playing a, a good Philadelphia Eagles team. So I agree. I agree. I mean, listen. Philly's a really good team, right? Like, if anything, I'll sit here and actually give them their flowers in the sense of, like, hey, they caused the injury, right, by getting to the passer, um, both of them, right? And that's what they do. And I'm no dummy. I I was seeing what their defensive line was doing to to the offensive line. Um, I do know on that Purdy 
injury though, man, Ayuk was open and he was about to dial that up. And that was about to, you know, you, but I think what makes me feel better is I can sit here and all these what ifs, right. Where I don't actually feel like we lost the game. Like I, I literally don't as a fan. I know we did. Yeah. It wasn't because like anything stupid happened or it's just, it's just outside luck. your control. What it can just, you do? It just was not, was not your day. Luck. No. And you know, so you follow 49ers Twitter, obviously, because of me and because of what we do Unfor- here. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah. So you see how toxic this place is. So yeah. Do you see? Do you, what's your thought? And I know we've had this this com- conversation before. I don't want to get into the quarterback scenario. We can save that content for for another day. Um, I want to see a little bit more about how this Purdy thing, because there's just conflicting reports out there of like. Oh, this is this line. is this is great. By the way, I feel like. Today's Groundhog's Day, right? So yeah. I feel like when we're talking about 49ers football, well, it's, it's, the same Groundhog's, it's Groundhog's Day again, just like Bill Murray in that movie. It's and this... literally every offseason, we're talking about who's going to line up under center. Good news is it's not going to be Tom Brady. Um, good news, it's bad not, news. Right? It's not going to be Aaron Rodgers either. Yeah, I don't. You hear, did you hear what he said too? Yeah, but he was golfing, bro. Actually, you want you want to know it? What I they, I will, they won't trade they won't trade him. To no, the, the difference is is like Brady was doable if he was still around. He's a free agent, right? You don't have to give anything up. You just got to pay the man. Well, yeah, right? one more year on the deal. No, I thought he was a, a free agent. Right, uh, stop, boy. Can you look that up? I'm pretty sure they have one more year on the deal. I'll be right back with that. All right, thanks, Stat Boy. Um, <clears throat> with with Rodgers. By the way, how old is our Stat Boy? He seems really he's young. young. He's young. He's young. It's, okay, he's an intern. Yeah, exactly. Right, he gets college credit for doing this. No, no, no cash. Um, with with Rodgers, you got to give something up to get. Him. Yeah, and then are the Packers that freaking stupid? Like they've already said they don't even want to trade him in conference, let alone yeah. to somebody that they know they'd run into regularly. Um, but you've seen a lot of people poo-pooing Kyle, right? Like, oh, he's he's not a but like again, we're right back to the time to move on from him. Like, how is he different than Harbaugh? Yada yada yada. And I'm just didn't like, get like to like four like four bro, con- three just, conference champions in four years. In four years, and the year that we didn't go, we just barely didn't make the playoffs, and we had forty plus people on IR at some point throughout the year. Including your starting quarterback, including your starting left tackle, including your stud wide receiver, losing a running back to a torn ACL. These are the same people. These these people are are saying some ignorant shit because these are the same people that probably would have been calling for Marv Levy after his second failed Super Bowl. Yeah, and Marv Levy was an innovative coach with the Buffalo Bills. I know he he never got over the hump to win the Super Bowl, but damn, he got them he got them there. You know, often. So and he's a Hall of Fame uh, a coach, so um, you would rather that than be ir- irrelevant every year. Hundred. This this is my argument time and time again, man. Very few people win the Super Bowl. In fact, only one team out of thirty two do every single year. And for the longest time, it was just the Patriots, right? Like <laughs> that's who everybody was trying to beat. Like I think back again, we're, we're secretly Detroit Lion fans on on this podcast, and one of my diehard. Football fan, but uh, football fan buddies is a long time, lifelong Detroit Lions fan. And I was talking to him about it offline. He was just like, dude, I'd kill to have a coach that got us to three out of four yeah. NFC championship games. He's like, you're watching relevant football into January. He's like, I haven't outside of the season. He's like, I haven't watched relevant football 
past October 30th. <laughs> well, listen, let me tell you something. Why am I so good with my mock drafts that, you know, for NFL draft every year? Because I, I start preparing in November, man. I start preparing in November. I know. Now you're so late because to the that's game. usually when the, that's usually when the season does for, you know, for, you know, yep. so uh, people over that are just being uh, greedy little brats. That's yep. all I can say. Lou, I, I do want to add this before we go to the, the uh, Bengals Chiefs game. We do have it, to go to that game because some fantastic analysis from uh, previous from us. But go ahead. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to say this out loud in case my wife listens back to this. We were saving this. I had mentioned, I think, two episodes ago that I was saving a public apology. What I'm saying is that this week, dude, my wife has been so much more disappointed over this loss than I have. And part of it is because she's been on this Brock Purdy height wagon since it happened. And it's my fault. It's my fault because when Jimmy went down and Brock was coming in, and even after that Miami game, I was like, I I said, I was like, I don't want to, I don't want them bringing in a vet. I don't want them doing any of that. Like, let's see what the rookie has. Like, let's see what you have in your stable. This is a great time to roster assess. Like, you're going to limp into the playoffs just based on record and where you were, but you're not going to do anything. And she's telling me I'm the worst kind of fan. You got no belief in your team and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, no, I have history that supports it. And history still supports it in that no rookie quarterback has ever taken their team to the Super Bowl, right? And that's just what I was trying to explain to her. And I was like, and I have no reason to believe this seventh round draft pick who's getting slung in, who was, you know, half a second away from being on the the practice squad when we signed Nate Sudfeld, even after he was drafted. So there was just all these things. Uh, but she was like, dude, for weeks riding on me. And I told her, I was like, all right, Brock Purdy gets to the Super Bowl, win or lose. I'll give you the public apology and I'll eat my, you know, my pie and I'll tell you everything. But I'm saying that because, dude, like all week, dude. But I, on Monday, dude, Monday nonstop, I had to go into New York City for work. She's texting me all day long. Any updates on Brock? Any updates on Brock? Any updates on Brock? Wow, she's wow, <laughs> she's, she's over, she's over she's, Trey Lance already too. Yeah, uh, she was never in on Trey Lance. Not that she knew any differently. She, she was. Just, she, I caused like, the Brock hysteria so, in our house. Like 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 Kyle Shanahan, your your wife wanted Mac Jones. I got it. Hundred percent. She wanted Jones at three. All right, Philadelphia Eagle fans, good good luck, good for you. Um, we'll see you again next Congratulations, year. Congratulations uh, going yeah. to Super Bowl, but you're still in Philadelphia, so it's a win loss yeah. there. Yeah, the city of brotherly love, yeah. okay. which is really just the city of ugly people. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Some people think the show Always Sunny in Philadelphia is like is uh, is is fiction, but no, it's it's. No. I mean, it's no. not fiction. It's 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 real. It, that's, it's it's that's, real life that's, in the city of Philadelphia. That's that's a that's that's a documentary for people from Philadelphia. Yeah, that's what it is. Dumpster babies, um, and the green and the green man. Um, all right, Bengals Chiefs. You start. I I went on well, a tangent about. Well, no, I actually I'm actually going to defer to you, and let me tell you why. On our last show, we both predicted how the game was going to end, and I kind of feel like we both. Hold on, hear me out. We both were pretty damn accurate. I said the Bengals were going to lose because uh, Joe Burrow was going to you know, drive and he was going to stall. All right, if I'm grasping for straws here, which I will, that kind of did happen. 
And then you said, no, I think the Chiefs are going to win. And how they're going to win is that Harrison Bucker will hit a, a game-winning 47-yard field goal. Now, Weston, we have receipts, by the way. We do. Please, please share with us, how did the Chiefs win? So the Chiefs won by a seven-play drive stalling, as you said it would, with what, two minutes left? No, not even. 48 seconds left, and they punted. And then the Chiefs went down the field and kicked a Harrison Bucker kicked a 45 yard field goal to win. I'll allow it after on social media. What was a confrontational called penalty? Uh, no, uh, I, listen, but that's a penalty. That's a penalty. You just hate to see it in that spot. That's a penalty ten, all day. That's a penalty 10 times out of 10 times. Yeah. Uh, well, watching the game, like I said, uh, given my prediction, I picked the Chiefs to win. I think as did you. I, yes. I said the Bengals are the better team, right? Yeah. But the, I'm, I threw conventional logic out, out out of the window there, and I said the Chiefs were going to win. I said the Chiefs' pass rush, right, was going to cause problems. Did I not? Yes, you did. I said I was disappointed that the Buffalo Bills never got home against Burrow, but I said this will be completely different. We particularly uh, named two people, Chris Jones and uh, Frank Clark, and they caused havoc all game. That's exactly what happened. Yep. The Chiefs were uh, – it, it pains me, man. It pains me to say this because he's in my division. Uh, but Mahomes, all gutsy performance. Like, uh, Oh, dude, for sure. And I, Listen, I mean, he, he played better than Joe Burrow on one leg, and it was extremely – you know, this is – it's killing me to say this, but it was commendable. Uh, and I told you we were going to hear about this ankle, you know, up until February, whatever, 12th or, or what have you. Uh, the Chiefs were also fantastic, I thought, on fifth down. Uh, they were one for one on fifth down. If you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, that controversial series of plays. I see now you're getting a little delay there, right? Yep. Uh, where uh, the Chiefs had like three ch three chances on third down. Uh, so, um, but I feel like that, uh, that always is the – the Chiefs have become the Patriots. Something always – a ball bounces their way. A play goes their way. The referees, uh, you know, uh, determine, like, you know, a certain type of thing. And it's just it's just annoying and frustrating that, you know, they have the luck of the Irish up their ass. Uh, and I was so excited because it was third and 16. Joe Burrow hits that out route uh, to uh, Hayden Hurst. I was like, here it comes. This guy is going to pull like a Montana type of – because they were they were backed up. Yep. And it just never materialized because that offensive line could not hold up against that pass rush. Yeah. Um, you know, you asked me the week prior if I was worried about when Cincinnati versus Buffalo about the offensive line, and I really wasn't because I think Buffalo's <laughs> line is not the same without Von Miller and just not as good as advertised, but Kansas City's offensive line – or excuse me, defensive line – is as good as advertised and and thought they would exploit that that banged up o line and you know this game wasn't sexy by any means like you didn't see uh, in my opinion a all star performance from either Burrow or Mahomes where I give the nod is like a really gutsy performance right by my by Mahomes and this added to the chatter from my game right 
Like you got Mahomes out there in a high ankle sprain that could be like six weeks, depending about how bad it is, and he's out there, right? And you know, fans are, are of course going nuts because Purdy's not going back out there, but they see him trying to throw the ball on the sideline. They're like, How bad? Like, is he not sucking it up? And it's just like, dude, some some guys are just superhuman, right? And and honestly, like as much as I hate romanticizing what he did on that ankle injury and making the hype train stronger around Patrick Mahomes, like it's superhuman. What he yeah, does, like it's it superhuman. Um, even Travis Kelsey, who like literally didn't even know if he was going to play an hour before kickoff, right? Like out there warming up, doing its thing. I mean, your gut always tells you a guy like Kelsey is going to be out on that field, right? Like we'd be talking about a totally different game, but it wasn't glitz and glam, right? I think it was more of a defensive struggle um, throughout the game. Um, it looked eerily similar, in in my opinion, to how last year – excuse me, last year started, right, where, you know, Kansas City looked like they were a little bit more in control early, right, and then Cincinnati had to mount that comeback, and I'm like, here we go, 2.0 version of this in an AFC championship game. Uh, but when all of a sudden done, I'm, I agree with you. I don't think the better team won. I think the better coach team, the better coached team won yeah. this game uh, with the biggest superstar the NFL has to offer right best, now. Best player in the league. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's Patrick Mahomes, right? I mean, he's your league MVP. Uh, I heard somebody be like, hey, if Mahomes retired today without even playing in the Super Bowl game, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. And I don't even think that's inaccurate. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I just, how do you dispute it, right? This is his third Super Bowl appearance in five years as a starting here, quarterback. In here's, the another, here's another interesting topic they brought up too today. <clears throat> Where would you rank? Patrick Mahomes amongst uh, best quarterbacks of all time. See, I can't do that yet. I can't. I can't. Is he top five? <sighs> top t- he's definitely easy top ten. If he wins this one, he's top. He's top five. five. He's top five. But without that second, he can't be, dude. Like he just can't be. The, the, so he, here's how I feel about this, right? We're about to go on a tangent right now, like we always do in the We're Talking Football podcast. But I know every time everybody says Tom Brady is the GOAT. And and I get it. He's got the largest body of work, right? He's played longer than anybody. He owns every major passing record that you can imagine, right? Like that all says you're the GOAT, right? Like how do you knock somebody who's been playing at such a high level for 20-plus years? I say this about Jerry Rice all the time. They're like, oh, people, he played longer, you know? And I'm like, yeah, but that's part of being the best that that position has to offer to be able to play this game at 40 years of age and make rosters and be also pro ballers, you know? Like, but, like, when I when I think about how I see the game of football, I think Peyton Manning unequivocally is the best regular season quarterback I have ever seen play in my entire life. He is absurd, right? Playoffs tell a different story. Level of competition you're going against, I get it. To me, the playoffs really is when the team, like I think good players win games in the regular season. I think good teams win games in the playoffs. It's the way it goes. And you're as good as your team. And those Colts teams were good, so I'm not trying to knock them. I think Joe Montana is the best playoff quarterback I've ever seen in my entire life, evident by his undefeated record in the in the the playoffs, the way that he rolls, right? Like he's or undefeated in Super Bowls. I think he's got like one playoff, two playoff loss, whatever it is, right? Like 
so that's how I why I can't there's just not enough body of work for me when you start getting into your top fives to say that like Mahomes is there, dude. Like, dude, you and I, we watched Dan Marino play. We watched John Elway play, right? Like, we watched Brett Favre play. We nah, watched I'm, really not a, I'm not a Favre believer. Quarterback do it, play do the not game. Put, do not put Favre's name up in the, with those guys. Either way, yeah. dude, we watched really good quarterbacks play, like, while we were growing up. Speaking of while we were growing up, I, I have a question for you. It's outside of this, this, uh, Cheese Bengals game. It goes back to my game. Ever, ever since you've been watching football, can you ever remember a third string quarterback starting the NFC championship game? And I say this with a caveat because I know most people would look at it and be like, well, Brock Purdy's like QB1 now, right? Like, so he's not your typical third string, but at the start of the season, he was your third string quarterback and he's your starter in the NFC championship, let alone. Nick a Foles? fourth string quarterback was Nick play. Foles. Was is he no, set, Foles was, was the set. backup. Yeah, he was the he backup. Was the backup. Okay. I mean, we've seen Hostetler go do that back in the day for for the Giants. Reich, like Reich, yeah, and Frank Reich win one of the biggest games ever for Buffalo, just in time from Jig Kelly to come back. Um, so we've seen the backup do some things, but have you ever watched a? a I don't can't even remember a playoff game where I've watched a third string or let alone a four string yeah. and arguably a fifth string quarterback appear in the game. Never yeah, seen anything yeah. like that before in my life. Yeah. All right. Are we done with the Chiefs Bengals? We we said our piece. Oh, you know one one thing I do want to say about the Chiefs Bengals game is now we got to hear about how the NFL is scripted. The NFL is scripted. I'm all all these this. players jumping in. And I know, dude, I'm all about conspiracy theories, right? But this is one that I always dismissed, right? And then all of a sudden you watch that game a little bit. And I'm not, I'm not trying to pour any fuel in this fire, add any validation to it. But you could, if you watch that one game in that one game only, you might be like, hmm, maybe it is, <laughs> right? Like, so maybe it is. It's interesting that you say that because this. This is what's been trending on Twitter, what Arian Foster was saying. Have you heard about this, what Arian oh, yeah, Foster yeah, was saying? Yeah. He he was saying tongue-in-cheek, but Arian Foster was saying it in the, in the serious tone and with a serious face. He's like, oh, yeah, 100% the NFL scripted. He's like, we, you know, in the beginning of the season, the offseason, you know, we get the scripts of what's going to happen and what have you. Like, he was, like, going, uh, you know, along with it. And the whole uh, trend right now are players – that like uh, that you know you there's a funny gif or a funny like a uh, video like when so and so sees the script you know for the you look know, like uh you know for like the 2000 you know eight season or or what have you like when Michael Vick sees this, the script for like you know when he gets yeah. arrested for like dog fighting he's like oh shit like yeah. type stuff so that's the thing that's trending it's not scripted no no it- I will say. It can be influenced is yeah. if we want to go to one way or the other, like, hey, it's this is a hey, gambling led world. Sh- it's a gambling led sport. Like why money is this, can influence. Why is that so outrageous? It has it, this has happened in other sports. This has happened in baseball with Pete Rose yep. and also the Black Sox scandal, the, yep. you know, like the fixing of the games and what have you. This has even happened in uh, NBA with that referee. Yep. Right. It's not far fetched. This is far fetched. The far fetched is the scripted, right? Like yeah. as the it goes out. That'd be pretty you, sick, though. You seen that one video? Um, 
where the guy's like 10 different versions of himself and people are throwing out like scripted scenarios and he's like, oh, that's old. Oh, that's good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like going back to the season. And if, it, and if it is scripted, you got to feel for Philip Rivers, man. You got to feel for him because like he's like, oh, fuck, I have to have another kid after this season. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to talk about my ninth child. Like we're oh. running out of stunt doubles to bring in and play these. <laughs> yeah, I'm shooting powder at this point. <laughs> Uh, uh, but some players are and ex players are having a little bit of fun with it, which is Love like it. comedy to me. Um, it, it gives me a, a good chuckle. But that being said, man, that I get it. Like I actually feel for the kid from Cincinnati because he had a good game, man. He was he good. played he balled out. He's twenty two, man. Like he's still developing, like emotionally. Yo, I and, I I like how I'm liking the Cincinnati team, man. Yeah, because. They, they they're are so young. They're all under contract. They're, they're, they're young. They're under contract. But the, you can tell they are a close-knit team. They are confident. And, and they're dangerous. They are going to be a force to reckon. Everyone put the, the, the Bills right up there, like, you know, right next to the threat of the Kansas City Chiefs. Maybe we were too quick to anoint the Buffalo Bills. Maybe it's the Cincinnati Bengals that really is the next, you know, heir apparent in the AFC. So um, I don't know. And, and you know, good for that franchise because that franchise has been a fucking joke for such a long time. It's fantastic seeing the changing of the guard from a franchise that was never considered serious, that people would go to the games you know, with bags over the heads, calling themselves the bungles and everything like that. Yep. And to turn it into this, it's awesome, man. Yeah, I'm, I, I, listen. Get rid of the old team. blood. Out with the old, in with the new. Yeah, I enjoy watching them. Um, you know, I, I don't have, I don't really have a negative thing to say. I know I was a big kind of like poo pooer on uh, Zach Taylor after his first, like, you know, two years there. Even um, he's awesome with like, when they win the games, he goes to the bar. He yeah. gives the, the football, like they're just doing it right, man. It's awesome. It's just Listen, it's I, easy to root for. I know all these guys are humans, right? Like I've, and, and that's why I've said it many times on this show. I don't ever shit on a player because, I'm sitting on my couch watching the game, right? I can't do what they do, even if they're not on the 53, you know, like I just can't. So I don't, I don't, I, I might critique and say like, Hey, this player is clearly not as good as that other player. or They didn't play a good game or anything along those lines, but I will never question these people's talent. Um, but they're, they're all human beings. I get that. Right. But like some of them are don't go soft on me. Wesley. Aren't as like, I think what turned it for me on my feeling of Zach, Ta Zach Taylor outside of like, obviously like the winning pedigree that he's brought in and seeing consistency now two years in a row from them was the whole around the whole DeMar Hamlin situation. The way he walked over to Sean McDermott was like, what do you want to do, man? Like, what do you want to do? And, and it, it just, you and I will figure this out. Like we don't even care what the NFL has to say. Like we'll make our own decisions. We won't put our team out there. We'll tell them to go fuck off, you know, that sort of thing. And I was like, God, that's a fucking guy that if I played ball, I that's would a, rally behind. That's a leader. That's yeah, a leader. that's a leader of men. That's just a leader of men. Like, no other way to put it down. And that changed it for me. And I think from that moment forward, I'm on this Zach Taylor bandwagon. And, oh, by the way, it helps that, like, you still have three quarters of your studs sitting on fucking rookie contracts, mm, yeah. right? Like, who are still, for all intents and purposes, developing in this league. Now, the issue is going to come real soon. Burrow's going to have to get paid. Chase is going to have to get paid. T. Higgins is going to have to get paid. Mixon just ran into a little legal issue, right? That's, like, that's, and 10 just million free, that's, that's 10 million free cap right there. 
Yeah, you know, so like there's some things that like listen, every team goes through this. We've seen the Kansas City Chiefs survive through this, yep. but like yep. I fine. think a Zach Taylor led Cincinnati team, so long as Joe Burrow and some combination of Jamar Chase and some other they just gotta out keep those exist. big they just gotta keep those big three, uh Burrow, yep. Higgins, and Chase yep. together. Um and also uh, but they signed Hendrickson. So. Yeah, but and that defense is sneaky good too, man. Like we, yeah. they're they're sneaky good at at all. You know, Logan Wilson, right? Like out of Montana, like nobody saw this guy coming. You got Hubbard hey, and Hendrickson. I yeah. saw him. Yeah. Jesse Bates back there. Like Amarillo is killing it. You know. Yeah. So, so. all right. Lou, off this subject, let's get to one more before we get out of here. I'm going to try to keep us under an hour this evening. I want to. I want to loop I'll you back quick. in. Yeah. So far, we haven't had like the season's still going, right? But there's been a couple uh, coaching changes. Obviously, we can, we'll talk more about this in a moment. But like D'Amico Ryan's going to the Texans. Love it. Uh, Sean Payton. Yeah, I'd actually prefer him go there. Sean Payton. I'm a little leery because of what history has shown. You know, for minority coaches over the last two years out of Houston, but I think he's got a different yeah, relationship that's, that's, as a former player there. Yeah, um, a different hype and yeah, youth about him coming in. Sean Payton going to the Denver Broncos. I'm going to shit on it. that in just a hate minute. It. Well, you hate it as like he's in your division, but I don't yeah. think that's the right fit either way. Um, I he's do. Better than, ask, he's better than the one they had before, though. He's better than the one they had before. So let's spend a minute. A minute. He's better than the one they had before, but like, if I'm sure, like, is that really the job? No. Well, I mean, what's coming? That really, like, if I wait one more year, like, could I could have, have three or four other preliminary, yeah. like, premier franchise that I, that I can have my with really good talent. And I'm not saying Denver doesn't have really good talent, but when I think of Sean Payton, you can't help but think of Drew Brees, right? Like, they go together. So you think of strong, solid quarterback play. And I know what Russell Wilson's history suggests because I watched it firsthand for a long time, but I'm also a little bit leery because usually when a quarterback has like a down season like Russell Wilson did, there's usually like three or four games throughout the season that serve as a reminder of like that guy's good, right? It's just an off year, bad year. Things are going weird. Like blame the coordinator, blame the coach, blame whoever the hell you want. And that's what, Nathaniel Hackett was, was the scapegoat for this financial disaster. But honestly, Lou, there was nothing I saw from Denver's offense last year when Russell Wilson was on the field that was like, they'll turn the corner. This guy will come back to greener pastures. So I'm a little perplexed as to like someone like Sean Payne, bro, does not need the money, does not need the notoriety, right? Like if you're going to come back in, you're coming back in to build yourself, in my opinion, a Hall of Fame resume if you're coming back to this league. And I think you go do that through the path of least resistance. You're going to go to the toughest fucking division in football. Is it though? I mean, it it still is, dude. It still is. I know everybody's going to say the NFC East based on, but we've seen this fucking thing ebb and flow every single goddamn year. But I look at Herbert. I look at Mahomes and I say, okay, there are two teams you have to worry about year over year over year. So long as these guys are in the league because the quarterback is for intents and purposes, enough to keep those games competitive and tighten it. I just didn't. And then you're hearing from Denver, like they were, he wasn't even like our, like, you know, you got Benjamin Albright, right? Like who's got his ear to the ground in Denver being like Peyton wasn't even their top choice. It wasn't even their second choice. It wasn't even their second choice. So why are you even going to me? 
You sold out, bro. You took money. You yeah, took well, money. Listen, that, that's happened before, though. Um, Unless this guy's again, got a gambling problem we're unaware of or a heroin problem or whatever it might be, like, he ain't need the money that bad, bro. Benjamin Albright's uh, – I'm a huge fan of Benjamin Albright, and to his defense, he made a good point where Peterson, when he coached the Eagles, wasn't their first choice either. No. So, like – Good coaches so, are good coaches. I get exactly. it. Exactly. You know? uh, it's just he's – this is going to tell you a lot about his legacy. Uh, I, I'm a Sean Payton believer. Um, and this is going to tell you a lot about his legacy because they give up some draft capital, a little cash strapped, right? Yep. Uh, you know, coming up. Um, so he's basically. A team that almost, had no draft capital, by the way, right? Base, <laughs> like, basically. Like gave that up. He's kind of in a similar situation he was with towards the end of New Orleans, an aging quarterback good defense, trying to hold it together, glue, to make that one final run. Um, so yeah, I, I am a believer in him and Sean Payton. The only thing that will rest my heart that will make me feel a little bit more at ease as a Chargers fan is a poison pill here. Wherever Sean Payton goes, as does Joe Lombardi. And if Joe Lombardi goes – to the Denver Broncos. Be the OC. I feel a little better. I feel a little better. I feel uh, okay because that is the poison pill right there. Not, and not only is it the poison pill, it is the perfect segue to the question that I originally <laughs> we got on this topic about. Wow, sometimes better to be lucky than good because Lombardi out, Kellen Moore in. Your thoughts for your LA Chargers with that move? Uh. I'm in a wait and see mode. A part of me is excited, right? And I know, I know you're not a Kellen Moore fan, but let me tell you something. Looking at all third, you know, 32 NFL teams, there's no denying that the Dallas Cowboys offense and offensive schemes were probably a top eight offense or offensive schemes. I'm looking at all the teams right now. Yep. You got you the ones you can argue ahead of them, right? Uh, from an offensive standpoint, uh, the Buffalo Bills, the Miami Dolphins, the Bengals, uh, the Chiefs, uh, the Eagles, that's five. You want to throw the Vikings in there? Sure. Okay. Uh, but that's – and uh, and the Niners. So you can't deny the fact that this offensive – the Dallas Cowboys offensive scheme in production is not top eight. And they've done it with lesser talent throughout the years, being their offensive line still good, but not as dominant as it was prior. Right. And they've also lost some talent as well from the skill position. Amari Cooper left. Michael Gallup is not the same Michael Gallup that was pre-injury. And they still, Kellen Moore was still able to produce a top offense. Look at all the, if you want to go look at all the statistics, he's, Top, it says he's like top four, top five in a lot of different metrics, whether it's uh, points, uh, you know, yards per attempt, things of that nature. So you, that has to make you feel good. All right. Yeah. Uh, you know, that being said, I, I, I do like it. I do like it a lot. 
And for, for the mere fact, and you're allowed to, Lou, you know that, right? It's okay to like, no, it. no, this is why I'm tempering my, my expectations because last off season, you know, on all the shows, I'm like, oh, this is the first time I have hope. No, no, I am not falling for the charges will win the off season again and look great on paper. This is why I'm tempering my expectations. I'm going to wait and see mode. What I like about Kellen Moore. All right. Well, first of all, let's talk about the, the, what happened, uh, with, you know, in big D. It just there's a comes a time sometimes in the coaching staff or even even players where a change of scenery is needed and is good for all parties. Agreed. I don't think it's going to be good for Dallas because no. I don't know how many times when a coach takes over play uh, play calling duties uh, that usually works out. McCarthy has been down this road before, and I think we know that uh, that story. But that being said. Same thing happened with – I'm not comparing him, by the way, so please don't misconstrue what I'm saying. But same thing would happen to Andy Reid with the Philadelphia Eagles. Could not get over that hump. Yep. Eagle, the Eagles, they eventually they, – they kicked them out. Yep. Right? Same scenario. So it comes out that there has been – I'm not going to say bickering between uh, Callan Moore and um, Mike McCarthy, but there was a, a differences in philosophy – McCarthy wanted to be more ball controlling, establish the run, and what have you. Where Moore wanted to open it up more. Yeah, wow, playing words there. And I think the cha- uh, there was a a, a a little struggle, power struggle there, because McCarthy does fancy himself as an offensive, you know, minded football coach. But the change of scenery is good. What I'm excited because I did obviously did not watch and go back watch all the Cowboys games. I did watch about like. 25 to 30 minutes of like film though uh breaking down like Moore's tendencies and what have you instantaneously i'll tell you what i like about kellen moore and what he'll bring uh to the the los angeles chargers the use of motion all right putting players in conflict because of the use of motion and he does a phenomenal job with that so i'm a big fan of that and his ability to stretch the field if you look at what Dak Prescott, what he has averaged over the last couple of years with Kellen Moore versus uh, what Herbert has with Lombardi, it's night and day. It's over like two, I think, two point seven yards more, which is it's significant when you when you're you know breaking it down. So he does believe in stretching the field more. And another thing, you got also looking from the Justin Herbert standpoint. Kellen Moore is coming to a, a, a quarterback. Dak's a great quarterback, all right? I will not doubt that. But he has his flaws. So he's coming to a better situation, Kellen Moore, with a better quarterback. Now, what makes Herbert better than Dak Prescott? Physically, he's better, meaning he has a bigger arm, right? Can get in those tight windows, can stretch the ball effortlessly, unlike Dak, right? His pocket awareness is phenomenal, right? That is also a fantastic – something that – her uh, Dak does not really illustrate, in my personal opinion, and his turnover rate is significantly lower than Dak. Dak has put this team, the Cowboys, in jeopardy to win games because of turnovers and bonehead plays. Where Herbert's ability to not turn the ball over and be more conservative and be happy for a checkdown, uh, I think will keep the drives alive and sustain the drives. And hopefully he, he changes the run game too. So those are all my thought process. 
he's going to be able to do more, more with Herbert than he did with Dak. Yeah. So quick caveat here, because you, you said this earlier. I am not the biggest Kellen Moore fan, but I'm not the biggest Kellen Moore fan in the sense of like last year he was a hot candidate for head coaching jobs. I didn't see. I, I'm with you. I didn't. I see look it. at him and I just see nothing that says head coach to me. I didn't. I thought it was too premature. This talks. I just I. So I'm not there yet. From a, an OC to an OC, so a lateral change, just in a new environment, etc. Um, I think there's a lot to like. I mean, you guys, dude, you see it all firsthand. Your entire year was spent shitting on Joe Lombardi, even though everybody was happy that it was like the first time ever in however long that Herbert was going into consecutive years in the same scheme, et cetera. I do think Kellen Moore's scheme is not super sophisticated in the sense of like it shouldn't be a setback to the quarterback where it like takes two years um, to get acclimated to this. You mentioned um, a lot of what he does utilizing more uh, pre-snap motion and, and movement. For our not so not you know um, diehard fans out there, that that's that's beneficial for two reasons, right? You can create mismatches. First of all, you can literally pick your alignment, and the second for Herbert, who is a very cerebral player, you're giving him more opportunity to have pre-snap reads in, into what the defense is going to do. Also, so I, there's a you you you're causing conflict on the defense because there's miscommunication. Who, who get when when you someone's in motion, who's picking up who? Who's the responsibility of the guy in motion now? And those are all imperative things. I never felt like the char the Chargers would use motion, but not effectively because then they all just ran sticks. Yeah. Which is you just go to the first down mark and turn around. Mm -hmm. So that's counterproductive then. The the initial and original intention of pre-snap motion was to put the defense in conflict. And I won't go into my Bill Walsh history lesson here, who was the first coach to put somebody in motion and it was done by accident and then became a regular thing. Once he saw the defense panic and move and he was like, Oh, I think I'll utilize this regularly because, because nobody did it. And that's part of the evolution of the West coast offense. I, I, so I'm, I'm going to give flowers where they're due. And I'm going to give this to a friend of the show. Mr. Craig Smith um, had a post the other day about how he was going back and watching some Kellen, some Dallas Cowboy tape, right? Starting with like Dak in week one, a couple with Cooper Rush. Um, so I was like, you know what? I'll do the same. I have these subscriptions. Let me just go back in a little bit. And I just kind of fly through and I was like, God damn, this offense looks potent. You know what I mean? Even with Cooper Rush. With Cooper just, Rush. Yeah. Three wide. You know, a, a lot of what like I think Lombardi intended to do, I just think more has a different schematic behind it and a different you know, way just different route concepts and different route tree, right? Not like just 10 yard sticks, right? Like um, a little bit more creativity to it. So I am on, I am on board with the, in my opinion, on paper, this is an improvement for their offense. And let's not forget that Kellen Moore played the position, right? So he definitely is into his QBs. Like he played the position at a, at a pretty high level. Like he was a quarterback in the NFL and was a very well-known collegiate star. So he gets it right. Like the, the, the psyche of these individuals. So I think he's going to love having access to, to Justin Herbert, the knock that we all have on him. Right. And you just talked about what put him at odds and conflict with Mike McCarthy was 
less reliancy upon the run game. And I get it. Like, I mean, Zeke's a shell of himself, right? Carrying that piano on his back, but Pollard's super explosive. I think what gives me hesitancy there is because we beat this drum all season long, Lou, about the Chargers just not being able to run the ball. You know what I mean? And, like, I do think you actually have capable running backs in your stable. I do. I'm a, I'm a believer in Spiller. Uh, we all believe in Eckler, you know? Whether it's Jackson or Kelly, if they're both there, like, these guys aren't, like, scrubs. You know what I mean? I just think they were – when they were running the ball, it was just so obvious, right? <laughs> like, the defense wasn't fooled. Um, they're, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, they just felt, like, prepared and aligned for it. And we always talk about it, man. Like the threat of running the football has to be there. I'm not saying Kellen Moore doesn't run the ball. Like obviously they do. Um, But I think if he wants to protect his superstar quarterback that he's about to inherit, which is absolutely what Justin Herbert is, is a superstar. He's going to have to be in the lab a little bit, devising a little bit more about that uh, around that run game. Um even if it's you, you, you know, you bring in a couple fresh, you know, bodies for for camp and for the season through the draft or free agency, whatever it is, um, have to have a little bit more threat running the football. Otherwise, defenses are going to do what they do, and then Justin Herbert's going to get the same rap he always gets of like can't win the game. Well, like, dude, yeah, can't win the game by yourself. That's why eleven people yeah. suit up on both sides of the fucking football, right? That's why coaching matters in this sport. But in terms of Joe Lombardi out, Kellen Moore in, in my opinion, big win for the Los Angeles Chargers. Two things, and then we can end this show if you want. Yeah. Um, A mediocre Kellen Moore is light years ahead of a good Joe Lombardi. Yeah. So that is going to be a a huge emphasis, right? I just want you to hear what I just said, that that's a huge emphasis on – Kellen Moore doesn't have to be a superstar because even if he's mediocre, he's still going to be so much better than Joe Lombardi. And, you know, you know, I wanted Staley gone right after this year. I felt like, how do you bring someone back after something like this? Maybe the successor, the head coach is on the team already now. I literally taking the words right out of my mouth, dude. Think about it. You, First of all, Herbert and Kellen Moore do have a relationship prior to, um, uh, I think, prior to this, uh, you know, this pairing up. I believe they they share the same agency, right? Uh, They also have done ads together for like, uh, they've done commercials together, right? So they have a relationship. So what's the best thing you can do for your quarterback and make him feel comfortable at ease if Staley botches it again you promote Kellen Moore yeah I mean dude I honestly could not have said that better Uh, I think so I know every year there's like a new superstar candidate that rises to the top and every year there's going to be this year was like this year yeah this year was like Zach Robinson uh who I would have been happy with too Zach Robinson who's a quarterback's coach from um Los Angeles Rams 
I thought it was going to be him prior to Kellen Moore. But, yeah, he's that next guy. Well, and also I'm, Brian Robinson, I think, from uh, the Eagles, too. Yeah, I'm thinking more of, like, who makes the, the jump to head coach, right? And mm. you usually see that from a coordinator, right? Not yeah, like yeah, a yeah. QB. Like Mike McDaniel's an anomaly, right? Like, who didn't necessarily, like, I know he carried the title of OC, but we know who the OC is in San Francisco. That being said, like, I, I, I don't know who the – the premier candidates are going to be heading into the 2024 season based on 2023 performance. But I do know that the chargers were probably hoping that like Sean Payton might've held out here, right. Give Staley another year, that sort of thing. So the, the darling candidates have not revealed themselves. And I just talked about it being early for Kellen Moore, but he comes in and this offense is humming and the defense is an issue or whatever it is like outside of like winning a playoff game this year. Like this is Staley's last year, in my opinion, like he's got to win a, like they got to win a playoff game or else it's half. It's a wrap, you know? And then to your point, does the successor, is he already there? Is he already know people in house? And you know, I'm dude, you Crazy things happen, man. You had fans, 49er fans talking halfway through the season, fire Kyle and just promote D'Amico, right? Like people yeah. say crazy things when you got good talent in-house, yeah. um, especially from a coaching standpoint. So, yeah, so. big win. I, I, I find it to be a, a vast improvement. I just wanted to clarify my point that I'm not a big Kellen Moore guy because the the hype last year, I mean, dude, he was like a hyped candidate for head coaching jobs last year and stayed put because I think – the teams that probably showed the most interest in him, he was probably looking at it like, yeah, I don't really necessarily like your quarterback scenario or your offensive scenario. For him, this is like a dream scenario. Two things real, real quick. What's going to separate him from Lombardi is his ability to adjust. Dak goes out week one. He adjusts the offensive scheme to Cooper Rush. Also, if you look at like their second-half scoring, uh, they, they, they were one of the top teams in second-half scoring, meaning they went into halftime, made adjustments, were able to continue, you know, uh, putting up points, something the Chargers had tremendous issues doing in the second half, especially in the third quarter. What were the two knocks this year? If you go back and you want to keep the receipts, digital receipts that we talked about, second half performance, running the football, right? Can we cure those woes? And we're talking about a, a totally different team. And curing those woes also cures a lot of other woes, right? Like less reliancy on the defense. Um you know, like that's why running the ball is important. Time of possession, things of that nature. Bully Play action. Yeah, bully ball in some scenarios, right? Like just impose your will. And I'm not saying he he needs to go play bully ball, right? Like, but the the threat needs to be there in some capacity. Neither here nor there. All right. So I said an hour. We're an hour six. This not might be bad. the shortest. This might be the shortest show of the 2022-2023 NFL season for us. Lou, that being said. Um, quickly remind everybody where they can find us before that lung vacates your chest as you're, you're coughing through it. Um, yeah. then I'll sneak preview next week. All right. Uh, you all can find us at WTF pod NFL on Instagram and Twitter, and then go ahead, Wes, and tell them about next week. Yep. YouTube. We're talking football. TikTok, We're talking football videos will be out there. The page has been created, almost finalized uh, with some help of the youth, generation helping old dogs like us out that being said lou like we started the show next week we'll 
we'll forward look at, at the Super Bowl, the Philadelphia Eagles versus the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll also recap um, a little bit of the the collegiate games this weekend in terms of the East West Shrine Bowl, um, the the Senior Bowl. I think we'll come back. Maybe we'll each pick a, a handful of prospects that maybe stood out from us from the weeks of practice in the Senior Bowl, which we get exposure to. You don't get much in the East West game. Um, and then ultimately what we saw um, from the games this weekend, which begin tomorrow night um, and then Saturday night. And then we'll roll from there and we'll prioritize uh, off-season content. So uh, that, that wraps us up, man. Uh, we're a week and a half away from finalizing this season. Then we get into the doldrums of the NFL, which is the off-season and OTAs. Love, that's my favorite part before anyone oh, gets hurt. Workout warriors. We talk about everybody looks – I remember my high school coach telling me back in the day, man, like everybody looks good in shorts, bro. You know, like, clearly, clearly your coach never saw me. <laughs> he wasn't looking at me with my bird ass legs and shorts, too. So, all right, brother. Appreciate you, man. Um, Till this time next week. That's all she wrote.